This morning we're going to jump into our continued uh, Mind Monster series, and I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4 with me. Philippians chapter 4. As you turn there in your smartphone, your tablet, or your Bible, um, I, I want to I share with you something that happened a few months ago for me. A few months ago, I was shot an email by somebody, and somebody just said, Hey, Ray, I hope you're doing well. And then at the bottom, they shared, I'd like to meet with you to discuss a few things. Have you ever had an email or text or someone call and ask you that question? Can we meet so we can discuss a few things? As soon as I heard those words, I read those words, my heart, my, like my stomach dropped, and I started sweating, and I started contemplating what in the world did, could, could be going on. Now, here's the thing. I've been in ministry for over 15 years. And 15 years of ministry has taught me that typically when people want to meet to discuss certain things, those certain things aren't always positive things. You know, maybe they'll share things like, you know, me and my wife are splitting up. Or they'll th say things like, I de disagree with the decision you made, and so I'm leaving the church. Or I read this on social media. Is this a rumor? Is this true? Or you offended me or someone offended me about X, Y, and Z. So I, 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 I tell them that I'd like to meet with them as soon as possible. <coughs> Excuse me. And I set the meeting as quickly as I could. And I go home for the evening anticipating the meeting next day. And um, I'm sitting there at the dinner table and my, my kids are telling me stuff. And I'm nodding my head, but I'm just processing what is that meeting going to be like. And my, I'm trying to fake it, but my wife knows me so well. She's reading me like a book. She knows your stuff that's going on. And I don't sleep very well. And I get up the next day and I'm rehearsing different lines to different things they're going to say. Have you ever done that? I don't know, but I'm, I'm doing that in my head. So I get to the meeting. We sit down and we begin to talk. And we spend one hour just catching up. And finally, after one hour, I get enough courage to ask, so what did you want to meet about? Oh, I just wanted to get together and tell you how much I love you and I'm thankful for you and your family. and You're doing a great job. I'm like, oh. I'm like, all of that time. How many of you have had one of those moments before? Show of hands. Yeah. All of that time and all that emotion spent, wasted. Have you ever had a situation that controlled your mind like that? Maybe it was worry. Maybe it was anger. Maybe it was frustration. Maybe it was temptation. I, I don't know. Maybe it was another thing. But these mind monsters, as we're calling them, the mind masters of our life that are, that are negative in nature, they, they, they basically tear away at the stability and the assurance that God brings. And then they blockade the life that Scripture talks about in, this, in the victorious life that He promises for us when we follow Him the way He wants, to he wants to be followed. You know, and I've been sharing every single week in our series that our thoughts, they're like airplanes. And we get on these airplanes, we don't even know we get on them, and they take us to all these different locations that we never wanted to live um, on and begin, from the beginning. We, we, we get on an airplane, it takes us to Temptation Town, or Doubt District, or Frustrationville, or Anger Alley, or Worry Island, and kiss goodbye stability, and kiss, kiss goodbye all the things that we want to be and a part of. And it's not that it's just a 2017 thing. It's also a 2,000 years ago thing as well. Because he, people have always been people. And the Apostle Paul knew this. But he was living in a time where the mind 
culturally speaking, was, was really just discounted. And his culture, the Jews, they would pray this prayer. Now, in, in the Hebrew, it's pronounced differently. But in the English, they would pray this prayer they call the Shema. And the Shema was uh, out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. And it says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And they would pray this over and over and over and over again. But then Paul would add in um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 2, he said, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the reason why he adds the mind to a scenario of transformation is because of what Christ taught. Christ would teach the disciples in Luke chapter 10. He would say, look, he would quote the Shema, and then he would add on the end, dot, 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 and love the Lord your God with all your mind. As if to say that your mind matters big time. Sam Gordon, he once said this, you are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Let me say that again. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. You see, it's all connected. All of this is. And so this morning, I want to ask you a question this morning, just a friendly question. What's on your mind? What's on your mind this morning? Because what's in your mind is going to flow into your heart. What's ever in your heart is going to flow into these two hands and these two feet. And it's going to flow into your life. Now, if you had a horse... How many of you own horses? Show of hands. Okay, a couple of horse owners. If you owned a horse and this horse was destined to race in the Kentucky Derby, in fact, the experts said that they were the favorite, the horse was the favorite to win the Kentucky Derby, you would not spend the, the, the last six months leading up to the Kentucky Derby feeding that horse ice cream and hot sauce, would you? No, you're not going to do that. You're going to feed it like high quality protein, muscle building <coughs> and nutrients for the body, aren't they? You're going to feed that horse. Now, let me ask you this question. Is your mind more valuable than that horse? Yes, it is. What are you feeding your mind? What is high quality, high protein food for your mind? Where do we turn to get it? Where do we find the kind of food for the mind that is going to lead to victorious, stability kind of living? What what does that look like for us? The Apostle Paul, he knows this. And he he whips up this, basically this meal for the mind in chapter 4 of Philippians. And and we're going to get to the main main course in a second. But for a second here, let me just give you a little bit of background about Philippians chapter 4. In verse 1 of Philippians 4, he... Paul says, look, I want you to be able to have a life of stability. He says, I want you to be able to stand. And then he goes on to make several statements about standing. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And then he goes on another verse and he says, be anxious for nothing. And he builds towards this climax in verse 8 where we're going to be camping. And this is where he begins in verse 8. It says this, finally, brothers and sisters... He said, hey, 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 I want you to all gather around in the kitchen, okay? All gather around the island. Okay, here's the deal, all right? And he's building towards this, this climax. He's like, I'm going to share with you the meal for your mind. He's like, if you want frustration to, 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 to be in the backseat, if you want, if you want anger to, to subside, if you want your worry to be less, he's telling the Philippians, he said, look, 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 look. You better feed your mind with these things. 
So let's take note of what he's going to say. Let's apply these to our life. In fact, we've given you a tool. It's called our listening guide in our bulletin. And if you want, get that out and um, take notes in it. And it'd be a great way for you to follow along. And as we go through each word that Paul says, would you circle one or two or three that, that God really is challenging you to apply to your mind uh, today? So let's look at it together. Let's look at the first dish of, of Paul's mind meal that he's, he's wanting us to, to feed our mind this morning. And he says this, whatever is true. Would you say that out with me? Whatever is true. Now, Paul, he uses this word, and this word, it means dependable. It means real. It means it's actually in existence. In contrast, another word would be lies, rumors, deceit, unreal. There's a lot of voices today, aren't there? A lot of opinions, right? I can have an opinion all day long that my fantasy football team is going to win my fantasy football league, but that's not going to happen. The draft did not go in my favor this year. See, I I think in today's culture that we're more concerned about our feelings and about success than truth. We're more concerned about, okay, how does this affect so-and-so? Well, how does this affect my life? And, And how does this help me succeed or not? As opposed to, well, is this true? Is this right? Is this real? And look, I could go on and on and on about this, but I'm not going to do that this morning. But I want to say a few things. First of all, we must not fall prey to our feelings over truth. Some of you in this room, you can't help it, but you're just an emotional creature. I'm in that boat. That's me too. I'm an emotional creature. And your feelings get ahead of of the truth. Let me tell you, don't fall prey to that. Also, Let's not fall prey to success over truth. Let's not build our success upon things that aren't true. Let's always put truth on top. We must be inspired in our thinking by truth on an ongoing basis. I, I, I read this incredible section of a book this week. It's called Stations of the Mind. It's fascinating. He's a doctor. His name is William Glasser, and he's a leading secular uh, uh, study of the mind. And he, he did this study, and it was an, a secular study, and it was put out, and it's considered a leading work in his field. And he shares about how the mind works. And he, he shared about how the, our mind, a human mind, works differently than an animal mind. And even though all the other secular uh, medical uh, experts would have probably dis- disagreed with him, he stayed true to what he thought. He said, look, our, the human mind is different than the animal mind. And he said that the, the human mind is controlled by the desires of our life. And he said the desires of our life are connected to one thing, and that is in our thinking. Isn't that interesting? So we must think critically about truth. We must think about this. Now, I want to ask you a question today. Where do you think truth originates? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Ooh, yeah. How many of you know, have heard that song before? Yeah, more than you want to admit. I'll tell you that right now. Now, now you may be here today and you may be like, well, I don't believe that. That's an old collection of stories, or I believe some of it, or I don't believe all of it. I, I want to talk to you for a second, just, just me and you, okay? Here's, here's what I want to tell you. That I would just encourage you, would you read it? Not everything you read you believe wholeheartedly. I know that for a fact. Would you read it? Would you begin to dissect it? 
If you don't know where to start, start in the, in the book of Luke in the New Testament. Go to the contents, the, the, the contents of the beginning, find the book of Luke, find the page name, or just start reading it. There's no shame in not knowing. Don't be afraid of what you don't know. Just, just, just open it up. If you don't have a Bible, no shame, take the one that's in front of you home. It would be our gift to you. But center your life upon this thing, the Bible. Make it your, your life's foundation. Do your kids know that your marriage, that your life is based upon that? In, in my family, we have four values, and it's all based upon the Bible. Our values are love God, love each other, love the world, and love Ohio State. Those are the four, all right? No, I'm just kidding. We don't have four. We have three, okay? And Ohio State's not in there, but I, it's, it's a close. It's a close one, all right? But we base our life upon this thing. I base my ministry upon this thing. I base my very eternal existence upon this thing. I base everything. If I quit teaching from this thing, stop listening. And Paul, he continues the list on what else should be in the mind meal. He says this, whatever is noble, whatever is noble. Some other translations would say, whatever is honorable. You know, I found this word in another part of the Bible. It's in, Paul is speaking to Titus, and, and he connects this word to spiritual maturity. He's telling the, the leaders of the church, he said, look, would you be spiritually mature? This word has to do with spiritual maturity. So if you've been following Christ for any length of time, and you would say, yes, I'm a mature believer in Jesus Christ, this should be a part of your life. I did a little bit more research about this word, a little more study this week, and the Greeks would actually use this word to associate and refer to their temples where they would worship their gods. And Paul is using the same word, and he's saying, we're the living temples of God. As living temples, do we exemplify honesty? Do we exemplify trustworthiness. You see, it's our character, honorable, noble. Do we have these things? John Wooden, he once said this, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. What are you becoming, friends? More honest, more caring, more dependable? Are you living a life of nobility? Then Paul, he continues his list of building the, the elements of a mind meal for us. He says, whatever is right. Would you say that? Whatever is right. Another way to say it would be whatever is just. And what Paul is saying is there's a right and there's a wrong way to deal in relationships with human beings. And there's a just and a right way to deal in relationships to human beings. And there's a wrong way, unjust. And Paul's asking the question, how do you treat others and how should others be treated and how do you interact when there isn't right treatment with one another there's a right way to do things i'll be in my house and the dishwasher will need to be unloaded and reluctantly i'll unload it and once in a while my wife will follow behind me and she'll begin to reorient where i'm putting all the dishes because that's not where they go and she's very organized and i'm not tend to not be so organized and eventually, once in a while, she'll be like, you know what, I'll just do this later. Don't worry about it. And that's what I wanted her to say all along. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, right? <laughs> but Paul's saying, look, there's a right way to do things. Let's do those things. In the early 1900s, there was this guy's name was uh, Mr. Leon Bean. And um, he, uh, in, his, in his hometown, 
home state of Maine. He began this mail order business, and he began to ship out all these hunting supplies, okay? And, and these hunting supplies, these boots were actually defective, and he, he promised guarantee. He said, if there's anything wrong with it, we'll ship it, we'll pay for everything, we'll give you your money back, and all these people shipped everything back, and it cost him a lot of money. He, should, he could have just said, you know what, I'm not going to guarantee everything, and he could have made all the money and walked away, but he improved the product, and now today, L.L. Bean is a very trusted brand. You see, when the idea of right or justice, these are things that have been imprinted on the human heart. That even without knowing whether we're a follower of Jesus Christ or not, we have been just imprinted with the thumbprint of Almighty God. That we'll go through life and somebody will offend us or somebody will make us mad. And but hey, that's not right. That's not, that shouldn't happen. And the reason why we say that is because the thumbprint of God is put this morality upon us. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, he shares, and he really basically builds the entire argument of the book upon this idea of the moral law of God that has been imprinted in the human um, heart and life. And what he is saying here is, is this. Look, the reason why you sense a morality, you sense a, a sense of rightness and, and wrongness and justice is all because of the God that put it there. And there's, a, there's more to the story than just meets the eye. But then also, when you think about whatever is right, we also must understand uh, that there's a, there's a right and a just way to interact with injustice in the world, isn't there? Jesus, we saw him do that. John chapter 2, he, he drives out the money changers in the temple. The people that were basically defrauding the, the people that were worshiping God, he throws over the tables. Why? Because it's injustice being done. What if you put your mind upon these things? How would that change your marriage? How would that change your home, your neighborhood, your coworkers? If there's injustice being done, you put your mind upon those things, that would lead to your actions. It would be a ripple effect, right? Did you know that just a small fraction of the amount of money we spent on pizza in one year could end poverty today and across the entire world? What would it look like if we begin to let this be the very food our mind is eating. Then Paul, he continues the list on what else should be in our mind meal. Look at it with me. He says, whatever is pure. Say that with me. Whatever is pure. This means cleanliness and holiness. And let me tell you, I'm challenged by this word on the golf course. I'll be in front of a, a big, huge pond or whatever the case is, and I need to hit over it onto the, onto the green. And I'll once in a while top it, and it'll go right into the water. And a four-letter word bounces in my mind from my days playing sports. And I'll—whatever <clears throat> is pure, I need his grace all the time. I say, I believe one of the greatest mind monsters in our life is temptation— in James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. You see, the phrase carried away in the Greek, what it, what it means is, is that it's like a hook. Okay, if you're a fisherman, you're really going really to like this. Carried away in the original language, it has to do with a hook, and it has to do with a bait on a hook, and it has to do with the fact that a fish sees that bait and clamps down, and then the hook is set. And here's the deal. The bait, it can smell good. It can look good. It can sometimes displace and kind of change the surroundings. The fish will just go after it. And this is exactly 
what happens to us. We're baited all the time, aren't we? We see something, and it's, oh, it looks shiny, and it's awesome, and it's, it's bait, and we clamp down, and oh, we, we, we sense and feel the destruction. We see it on our TVs. We see it on the internet. We see it on our phones. You know, one of the bait that we, I, I constantly, you know, is, is all around us, it's, it's pornography. And statistics tell us that one out of every four or one out of every three men are addicted to pornography. So in a crowd like this, you do the math. Statistics also tell us that uh, women, that is the fastest growing um, uh, population to addiction to pornography is, is ladies. I've been a follower of Jesus Christ since I was 17. It's 20 years I've been following Christ. And let me tell you, I have to and always must guard my heart and my mind, what I watch, what I intake on a continual basis because I don't trust me. And I'm always one decision away from stupid. And you are too, all right? And so here's the deal, friends. Here's the deal. You have to pay attention to what you watch and what you see. Martin Luther once said this, look, I can't, I can't control the birds flying over my head, but Luther said this, but I can control if they nest in my hair, right? So as a follower of Christ, I want to challenge you today. Would you feed your mind upon things that are pure? See, it isn't easy to, and it, and it takes discipline, but would you feed your mind upon it? Now, let me, let me just tell you this in a different way, okay? The one that is baiting the hook and the one that is casting it out in front of you is the enemy. And he wants you to clamp on that hook. And he wants you to, to, to bite it. And then he is going to set the hook and he's got you where he wants you. And he may not be able to steal your eternity as a Christ follower, but he's going to make every moment until you get there horrible if he can. The Bible calls him a lion. The Bible says that he is seeking someone to devour. And his main course is you. So don't mess with the lion. Don't mess with it. Now, we're all sinners saved by grace for those who are in Christ. And, and, and maybe you've, you've messed up. You know it. You're like, Ray, tell me something I don't know. You're aware of your own sinfulness, right? Maybe you've done ter something terribly wrong and you still to this day can't get over something you've done or something, the hurt that you've caused someone else's pain or, or, or maybe someone else has abused you or mistreated you or, or you've gone through a messy divorce or situation. You just can't seem to get past that. But let me tell you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, let me tell you this. If you're a child of God, he set you free. If you're a child of God, your shame has been removed. If you're a child of God, your past, my friend, is in the past. It's no longer in front of you. It's behind you. And it, maybe you may feel something, but friend, it's time for you to put truth over feelings in your life. Because when you do not do that, it is, it is moving. That hurt is moving in your life and you just can't get beyond it. And my friend, God wants you to get beyond it and I want you to get beyond it because I love you and God loves you even more. Richard Rohr says this, he says, if we don't learn to transform the pain in our life, we'll transfer it. So I want to ask you, what if you could just put your thoughts on the, on the righteousness of Christ? Because it's not based upon your merit anyways, is it? It's based upon the righteousness of God. That you can have a right relationship with him. What if you put your thoughts on those things? 
Then Paul, he continues the list on the mind meal. He says this, whatever is lovely. Say that with me. Whatever is lovely. Other translations would say acceptable or, or pleasing. And the literal meaning here is to be a friend. Like put your mind on being a true friend. It's the only time in the whole New Testament this word is used right here. I have a picture of my, of my two girls and my beautiful bride in my office. And the reason why I have it there is because they are a blessing to me. They are lovely to me. And I love that. And it reminds me once again of the blessings in my life. My wife and I, we had a real slow morning on Friday. Someone else watched her kids. It was a huge blessing. We just went out for brunch somewhere. And I just looked across the table from her. And I just began to share with tears streaming down my face how much and, and how fortunate I was to be married to her. Like just once again, I just remembered all the lovely things about her and the blessing that I had in her because I was married to her. See, when we put our minds upon those things, the negative things, they fall by the wayside. And I don't, can't tell you how many times I've done counseling with married couples where the issue is that they've taken the 10% or the 20% or even the 30% that are negative that just annoy you to death about the other person and they make them the other big percent. But when we put our mind on the, the things that are lovely, what happens is, is that it's a complete mind shift. Or if we look at creation and we look at the beauty of creation and it takes us back to the things of God. Let's dwell on those things. Then the, the fifth thing that Paul continues to build upon and he builds this, he's building us this mind meal, this, the dishes of the mind meal and he says, whatever is admirable. Say that with me. Whatever is admirable. In, in, in the one translation it says commendable or whatever is of good repute. Paul is referring to this thought that whatever is worth repeating over and over and over and over again in your mind, these are the things you need to think about. You know what this looks like in your life? This looks like in a crowded room and a group of people with people you know. This looks like you bragging on somebody else that's in the room in an authentic way. One of my... One of my favorite things to do is in a crowded room just to turn to the person next to me and if it's only true and to say, you know what I love about this person and just start bragging on them. And they get all, you know, they, they get awkward and, it, you know, I don't mean to make it like that, but I just want them to be encouraged because I know when they walk away, they're going to be like, man, that was truth. You know what else it's going to look like? It's going to look like you, instead of gossiping, building somebody up. It's going to look like you on social media putting admirable things on social media. Let me say that again. On social media, it's going to look like you putting admirable things on social media. Well, what if for the next 7, 14 months, the year, you could just say, you know, it's just going to be admirable on social media. They're going to know me for these thoughts, not these thoughts. Now, I don't want to stretch you too much today, okay? But what if you focused on some of the most positive things about this church, or even more so, stretch you more, on this pastor. Like, what if you could think on an admirable thing about, I know that may be too much. Or what if you could focus on the positive thing about the person who gets on your very last nerve? How many of you have one of those people in your life right now? Raise your hand. Come on, everybody, put your hand up. I know you all have that, all right? There's somebody in your life, and they just, it drives you crazy. What if you focused on their one noble characteristic? Just what if? One, somebody recently, one author said, her personality test result came back, it's negative. <laughs> I love that. You know people like that, don't you? Would you feed your mind upon things that are worth repeating? 
And then Paul, he finishes the elements of the mind meal with the final few dishes. He said, look, if anything is excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. These thoughts, these excellent and praiseworthy things, these are the things that, that really ultimately are eternal. These are the things that are worth your time and worth your talents and worth your treasure. And you are to take those things and you are to invest those upon the things that are praiseworthy and excellent. Are these things on your mind? And then he finishes the verse. He says, think about such things. And he uses in a grammatical sense, he uses an imperative. And an imperative means this is not for discussion. This is not if you have time. This is not if you can make it a way or two. This is you must do this. Think upon these things. And it must become a habit. It must become a discipline. Because when it becomes a habit and a discipline, this, my friends, is when really your life begins to transform. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you put your faith and knowledge in Him and your whole trust upon Him as your Lord and your Savior, you're given a new mind. Not a new brain, but a new mind. But here's the problem. Your mind is like a screen and it kind of just picks up junk as you know stuff is being filtered out through it. And you need to clean out your mind. You need to wash out your mind. You got to take care of your mind. Peter would say, gird up your mind for action. You got to take care of things. But Paul would say, would you put your focus, would you put your mind upon things that are excellent and praiseworthy? And praiseworthy would point right to him, to the one who is worthy of all praise. Reminds me of the man who he went to his pastor, and the pastor said, hey, how can I help you? What's going on? What's been going on in your life? And he says, well, here's what's been going on in my mind. He said, I'm going to leave the church. He says, why? He's like, well, I'm not just leaving this church. I'm leaving all the churches. And it's because, Pastor, that when I sit in service, people are texting. Uh, when I sit in service while you're speaking, people are sleeping. That people that should be here aren't here. And I see them out in the community, and they act this way. And then they come into the church, and they act another. Just a bunch of hypocrites. I'm leaving. So the pastor says, all right, will you do me one favor before you leave? I said, sure. So the pastor goes away. He, he gets a glass of water, and he fills it all the way to the brim. And he gives a glass of water to the guy. And he says, I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk around the church for two laps. And I don't want you to spill one single drop. Can you do that? The guy goes, oh, yeah, 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 I can do that. I got you, pastor. So he takes the glass and he just starts walking. And anytime you've ever tried to walk with a glass of water, you've got to walk slow and you've got to focus, don't you? And he walks around the church twice. He doesn't drop one drop out. And he gets back to where the pastor is. And he says, hey, pastor. Look at this. I didn't spill one drop. He's proud of it. He's an overachieving kind of guy. He's like, look at this. I got it. And the pastor says this. Did you see one hypocrite? Did you see one person texting? Did you see one person who should be here that wasn't here? The guy says no. When we put our eyes upon the one that's worthy of praise, we can't see anything else. And our focus becomes that. And when our focus becomes that, my friends, our life is transformed. And this is what this series has been all about. That the mind is connected to so much of our life. And I want to ask you this morning, 
Is your focus, is your perspective, is your gaze upon the one who is praiseworthy this morning? Is it? Because when it is, when you are putting your gaze upon the one who is praiseworthy, then, my friend, your life begins to be transformed. And when you become transformed, my friend, then you begin to impact this world without even realizing it. And the world is left changed because of your life on this earth as you join in the mission of God. One particular that I want to recall from history, his name was William Wilberforce. He lived in the 1700s into the 1800s. And he would put his mind upon the one who was praiseworthy and the things that his mind should be focused upon. And he's eating this meal on a consistent basis. And one day while he's feeding his mind, he writes in his journal... He says, God Almighty has placed before me two great objects. He says, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of moral values. And so this man goes to work and over the next 21 years he journeys to pass a law in the House of Commons where they would begin to look at abolishing the slave trade in that country. And he loses friends, he loses all these things, but over the course of time, finally in 1807, the House of Commons passed this bill with an overwhelming majority because of this man's life and his focus on the things that most mattered. What about you? I just want you to focus on him. He's praiseworthy. He's done so much for you. He loves you so much. His sacrifice, would you think on those things? Would you focus on his grace for a moment? Would you focus on his righteousness, friend? In the midst of the most difficult day you're having, maybe, instead of the mountain that you face, or maybe the situation that you're, you're recalling, would the Savior who loves you so much, his undying, wavering support and his strength, would that be your gaze? Do you have a relationship with him? Not a religion, not a membership, Not an activity, but do you have a relationship with Almighty God? Did you know that your mind has a lot to do, in fact, everything to do with a relationship with Almighty God? Romans chapter 10, it indicates here that faith comes by hearing a speech about Christ. And where is this filtered? Through the mind. It's not some esoteric thing happening. This is so important to you understanding the gospel. When you be and understand literally the story, the true happenstance of Christ... That God would create this world, his design for the world. He had a purpose and plan for every relationship. And it would be perfect and it would be lovely and it would be beautiful. But then we come along and God's plan isn't good enough. And the Bible calls this sin and we, we kind of turn our back on God. Romans 3.23 talks about how we, were, we, are all, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and we, so we look at our own and we create all this brokenness in the world and And we try to solve this brokenness through whatever the case is. And we only end up with more question marks. But finally, when we get done searching, we we, we turn back to Christ. And is there an answer? And the the answer is, is that it is Christ. Because God sent his son to live on this earth to die for the sins of humanity. And on the third day, he he would raise again from the dead, proving everything that he said was true. And everything in this word is true. So that when we put our faith and our trust in Him, we can rediscover the design of God for our life. And then we take the design that we have now been redeemed in and we share that design with other people. But it's not just enough for you to hear about it. You have to, as Romans chapter 10 
um, says you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Have you done that? If not, I would love and encourage you to do that today.